We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome in to the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your where the hell did the month of August go friend. Um, I mean, seriously, I blinked and I feel like the 2021 is now almost over, including this month, obviously. Um, and that's also how my weekends feel nowadays, too. Uh, that football season is back. It kind of kicked off in full gear for me on Thursday uh, when I went out to see Bellevue West versus Omaha Burke. And then on Friday, um, I was back in Omaha to see Columbus traveling to Omaha to take on Omaha Central. Um, two games that were I guess uh, uh, could have been a lot closer. Uh, they would have been better games if they had been closer. Uh, they were not. Uh, Bellevue West started their season off strong by blowing out Omaha Burke, um, even though they did not – Bell West did not play to their full capabilities, which is a scary thing for the rest of Class A. Um, and then Omaha Central came out in a nice fashion in their first game since 2019 – uh, to be able to go ahead and, and take down Columbus, who uh, has a uh, star linebacker, Ernest Hausman, uh, Nebraska commit for the 2022 class, who who played a pretty good game. I thought that he'll have to work himself uh, into a little bit better shape as the season goes on, just because he plays so many snaps uh, for that Columbus team. He's clearly their best player far and away, obviously, being a Nebraska commit. Um, but they ask a lot of him, and he's going to have to continue to answer the bell uh, each week. And so that'll be interesting to see kind of how they fall uh, throughout the season as they're breaking in, I think, 12 new starters that Coach Williams told me about a couple of weeks back uh, when I went out and saw their practice. Now, today, I am actually joined by myself. Um, it's just me, me, myself, and I on this one. Uh, I'm flying solo today, I think, for the first time ever on the podcast. Um, so we're going to get right into it. Each week, we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. Uh, the first one is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then give you the straight-up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Uh, this week comes courtesy of Nebraska coach Scott Frost. Now, Frost had this to say about his team not gaining momentum or needing a spark after the team's 30-22 to season opening loss uh, to Illinois uh, this weekend. He said, quote, the one thing that we've never gotten around here is the spark. If we win a couple of close games, strengths, wins together, and get some momentum, these guys really believe that they're better. They know they're better. They are better than they've ever been. We got more talent and more depth. I've been saying that, but they need some good things to happen if they're really going to believe. And sometimes I feel like we're snake bit with the timing of when those things happen, but we've got to find a way through it. This is where I normally ask a guest, what does this all mean? So I'm asking myself, what does this all mean? Now, 
there's actually a lot there. And I think that this was kind of the big pull quote from the, the post-game press conference um, the, the to one of the two. The other one being um, so when he talked about them guessing wrong about the game plan offensively and what kind of fronts uh, Illinois would come out in with its whole separate different issue um, that probably shouldn't be happening in year four of a coaching staff at a Power 5 school in the Big Ten. Uh, but I digress. Um, the spark as a program quote, did get it got a lot of attention, but I also think that you know Brandon Vogel wrote a fantastic article um, titled you should go read that on hailvarsity.com titled you know a butterfly is not going to flap its wings and fix Nebraska football, which is one hundred percent true. And I think the sentiment that I immediately went to after hearing this quote to me it means he what he's saying obviously is the team needs momentum and they need to find a way to kind of get the ball rolling. The problem that I have with the tone of this quote and him continuing to say something in this realm of they just need a spark, they just need momentum, um, the team just needs good things to happen, is that in playing sports and in a lot of cases in life, like those sparks are not going to just magically appear. Like that's not something that any team is just going to give you when you're, especially when you're playing teams in conference, right? Um, keeping it just to that because they played a conference opponent this week. Like these are good coaches and good teams in this league. Even the team, whoever it is that you feel is the worst team in the Big Ten conference, has you know power five players and they have a, a, a capable and competent coaching staff. And and to be frank, most of the coaches that coaching staffs in this league are actually very good. Like if you start making just a list up and down of the, the top to bottom, the best coaching staffs, even like those bottom three, like if you're going to maybe like Jeff Brom and Purdue is now in that bottom three or bottom four, when it comes overall, um, even a team that's not very good and Rutgers who may be on the rise, that, that team led by Greg Schiano has a very good staff. Obviously Brett Bielema knows what he's doing um, in the big 10. So you're just never going to like just magically having those breaks happen for you. It's just not something that's really ever going to be in the cars. And the and the problem, another problem with continuing to say that is you begin to have, I think, a kind of woe is me, defeatist attitude about how you go about your work. It's not we need to go create. What he's not saying is, is we need to go create our spark. We need to be able to do this to help ourselves. It's just, oh, the ball bounced the wrong way. Or, you know, in some cases of the fans, you know, if we didn't get that penalty call, if the Big Ten refs didn't have it out for us, whatever. Insert whatever excuse you want to put in there. It just becomes very difficult to see how this team is going to actually turn this around if they believe truly and their leader truly believes that they just need a spark to come about and it'll happen. Sparks aren't actually created just by happenstance or an actual spark. We take it to the literal sense with fire or is created by you, you know, rubbing two things together to be able to create that spark and then build that fire. That's how that happens. It doesn't just happen by accident. So I think that that part of it is, is concerning. Um, but it also feels like it's something that, you know, Scott Frost really truly believes in his heart. Like he believes in his heart 
that they just need that spark. And and while part of that may be true, the part that continuously gets left off here is that the Nebraska football program needs to create that spark. They, they need to be the ones to initiate that. It's not going to just fall uh, from the sky magically. Now, that leads us perfectly into kind of, you know, talking about the main topic uh, of today's pod, which I guess will be, you know, kind of a Husker game review uh, from this first week. Let's break that down. Listen, if there, that's not a way that I guess any anyone following or hoping that Nebraska is going to be better would have wanted that game to go. That it, it's not, you know, Scott Frost had the other the other big quote um, in the post game, which that it felt like watching the same movie uh, over again, and that's definitely what it felt like. And I think it really was, quite honestly, the worst like worst case scenario for how the season started, not just with a loss, like a loss is one thing that they, they really didn't want to have happen, obviously. And that brings its own set of issues, but having that loss happen where it looks largely the same as it did for the previous three full seasons under Scott Frost. And it's a whole nother issue because it'd be one thing if, Nebraska had lost this game, you know, 35-31, um, in which the offense looked crisp for a, for a large stretch of the game. The defense looked pretty good, um, but then they just kind of wilted because it was it was hot outside and they got tired and maybe the depth just wasn't there the way they thought it would be. I'm trying to think of a different scenario in which they haven't lost games previously. You get what I mean is that the way that this game unfolded and the mishaps and miscues and mistakes that piled up to cause this loss are things that we have seen time and time again under Scott Frost in his time at Nebraska. The the defense having all the momentum in that game and playing so well, especially to start that game, to then get a huge interception while up nine to two, them and maybe take a double digit lead. Um, if they go ahead and convert that, have that interception to not only be overturned, but have it be overturned because of penalty and then have an additional penalty on top of that with personal foul and the taunting, regardless of how you feel about the the personal foul portion of it for roughing the quarterback. I, I, I thought it was soft. Um, I did not. I don't know what Caleb Tanner was supposed to do there. It is really hard to tell guys to not, I get quote unquote, drive the quarterback into the ground. That's just how, like, that's how you played football for your entire life. Um, I never saw the actual taunting um, in any of the replays, so I don't, I don't know what that was. I'm also just generally not someone who's ever going to be that upset about taunting. Like, I kind of, I get it a little bit at the collegiate level. I 100% don't get it at the NFL level. Like, I I think that needs to be done away with. In fact, I think it needs to be encouraged at the NFL and at the professional sports level. Um, But I didn't see it, so I don't know how egregious that one was um, or was not. Um, But to have that play, to have the special teams, like, series of blunders, um, the – fielding the punt inside of the one and then trying to throw the ball back across the goal line and have that end up being a safety. The two missed extra points by Connor Culp, which really, as Scott Frost said in the post game, is not something that we've necessarily seen out of him um, because he's, you know, the reigning Big Ten kicker of the year. And he's the only all-conference player that Nebraska has had under Scott Frost. Like, that that was actually uncharacteristic for, 
for him, but not uncharacteristic for what we've seen from this program um, over the last handful of years because the kicking woes have been real um, during the Scott Frost tenure. Now, on the one positive side, Nebraska has definitely found their special teams, uh, their specialists as a kickoff specialist. Um, Brendan Frankie with, with several touchbacks in that first game, but even the punting game was wildly inconsistent. Like for a team that that talked so much and apparently spent so much time on trying to fix special teams. Um, we did not really see that. So to see that play out it is disappointing. That was more of that quote, same old movie um, to see the defense to me was the same movie, but in a, but not necessarily in a bad way. I thought the defense played really well overall. And I'll be curious to see as we go through this week, kind of what's said about the defensive performance from the players and the coaching staff. Um, I record this on Monday morning, uh, goes live obviously on Tuesday. So I've, we've not had any of the press conferences yet, but I'll be curious to that um, outside of that drive to begin the third quarter uh, where Illinois really kind of, I thought that was the, ter- that was the, kind of nail in the coffin for the game to me. I know that that scoop and score um, at the end of the first half was a really, really big play, and that kind of changed the momentum. But that that drive by Illinois, which was this textbook, old-school Brett Bielema, Big Ten football, um, to, to be able to put that drive together and finish it off with a touchdown um, was, for Illinois, a masterful drive. For Nebraska, exactly what they could not have. And then on the offensive side, I don't, I don't, I don't know, and I'm running out of ways to describe what we're seeing from Nebraska's offense because it's a combination of lacking confidence from the quarterback position, but also lacking confidence. It feels like as a play caller for Frost and Lubick, lacking confidence and sticking with the run game after hearing all off season about how improved that was going to be and how much better they felt about that. Like I last week's um, coach speak was Greg Austin and how he was saying how excited he was to showcase this running game. And then they just feel, felt like they just abandoned that run game very, very early in the game. Um, I understand that they got down, but in theory, as I just explained, they really didn't get that down until midway through the third quarter because that's when um, Illinois put together that big scoring drive. It was 14 plays, 75 yards, eight up, eight minutes and four seconds off the clock. That's what put Nebraska down 29 to or 23 to nine. Um, so even then, you could still kind of run the football. I think Nebraska gave up on the run very early, especially when you compare it to the excitement level about not only the running backs, but the, definitely the offensive line um, and what they were going to bring to the table this year. And so we saw a lot of the same from that offense, which has just struggled mightily to be consistent under Scott Frost. And, and that has to be the – to me, the clear, most disappointing or surprising thing thus far about Scott Frost's time in Lincoln is that that was what he was brought here to do. He was brought to Lincoln to, yeah, of course, win games and to restore Nebraska to glory and all of that, get it back to something closer to what it was like when he played here as far as wins and losses. But outside of that big picture portion of it, 
Scott Frost was hired here to bring the UCF offense, to bring the Oregon offense, what, you know, Chip Kelly is trying to do at UCLA, and they played well this weekend, um, and bring it to Nebraska. And, and, like, not only have we not seen, you know, UCF-level offense, which is admittedly difficult to do, you know, a top, you know, five offense in the entire country is difficult to produce, but we have not seen a top five offense in the Big Ten. Um, and that has been extremely surprising in the way that we've gone about this. And it happened again. You know, I guess the, the theme will continue to be same old story, the same movie again, is that we once again saw a Big Ten opponent come out in a game against Nebraska and say, we're going to play man coverage one-on-one on the outside. We're going to play the safeties up close to the box or even in the box in some cases. We're not going to really be threatened by, the, by a deep ball at all with the wide receivers out there and with your quarterback. We're going to you know, make it very difficult for you to run the ball. And we're going to keep putting you on thir- in third and longs, and eventually you guys will make a mistake. That's been the blueprint for Big Ten defenses time and time again um, during this era. And it, it's just become something that I don't know how Nebraska is supposed to fix that um, going forward. Now, I do think that they're going to have to figure out a way, obviously, to, to be able to run the football better. Like I, I thought, and I, I think we talked to Brandon Vogel about this the thing last week on the show, is the thing that I, I still believe in my heart, the thing that will have to change to unlock this offense is Nebraska is going to have to be able to run the football consistently and threaten people with the run so that they can then play off of that, play complementary offensive football and use that play action pass. Um, and so that people can, so that you can then have more balance in this, in this attack. It can't be again, what it was this week where Adrian Martinez is your leading rusher. Um, and he was once again with 17 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown, you know, with a long of 75, um, obviously really bolsters that. Um, and so then you have Gabe Irvin, number two, with 12 rushes for 33 yards, a 2.8 yard average. Ramir Johnson, four for 11, 2.8. Marquis Step, three for 10 with a 3.3 yard average. That's just not going to get it done. Like, it, it really isn't. Um, and Nebraska has got to figure out a way um, to be better than that um, in the run game. Otherwise, it's going to continue to look the same because the concern here is, is that eventually you're going to start facing better defenses, right? Like Illinois' defense, which was very bad last season and which led to Levy Smith, you know, being let go and obviously Brett Bielema coming in to replace him. Like, this is going to be one of the I guess softer defenses that you end up facing in conference so when you end up getting you know kind of to the meat of this schedule and it'll and it'll start after the non-con is over you know the the next two weeks you're not going to learn as much about the team I guess I should say the next week we shouldn't take anything for granted necessarily with this program um, but the Fordham game I'm taking for granted um, Buffalo I do not think anyone should be taking for granted but and then OU we know how that's going to go um, but once you start that run of Michigan State, Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, that four-game stretch of four teams that are going to be out there playing good defense, they're going to be geared um, to just play one-on-one press coverage on the outside, dare you to beat them, um, and dare you to be able to find ways to crease them in the run. Like, this is going to get tougher for Nebraska as the season goes along, and that, I think, is the big concern 
for a lot of fans with what happened in this first game is that it takes all of the wind out of the sails of the program going into it. So then like now we get to this situation where we're in week two against Fordham and a game that was supposed to just be, you know, the first of really two tune-ups before you then take your big swing um, at a great opponent in Oklahoma, top five team in the country is now, oh, well, here we go again. Like this Fordham game doesn't really matter because I'm struggling to figure out what it is that Nebraska could even do in this game this weekend that would really make a bit of difference for the perception that people have right now of the program. And maybe that matters. Maybe it doesn't. I tend to think it does. Um, But at least for the players' sake, they're going to have to figure out a way to, A, I think get excited for this game. I I know that there was a lot of talk after the game about, you know, it's not just a one-game season. You know, we've got a lot of season left. And and that's really – and that's true. That is both – logical a good way to think about it and technically the correct way to think about it because there is a lot of season left there are 11 games left the problem is in my mind is that this Fordham game being where it is because of the the shuffling of the schedule actually doesn't do Nebraska any favors for getting them that spark or getting them that confidence that they need because a lot of those same bad habits that got them beat against Illinois then it was an eight point game one another one score loss um, those won't cause them to lose the game against Fordham like it would have to be catastrophically bad for Nebraska to lose this game against Fordham. So I I just don't see that happening. But because of that, you're not really going to have a ton to gain in this one either. Nebraska's kind of in a no-win situation. um, But you do, you just need to go out there and perform better um, and just execute. I think the best thing that Nebraska could do this weekend is to go out, obviously win the game. That's that's the obvious thing, and they they should. Um, But to also go out and play a clean football game. We've had such few games of that over the last now three years. And I think that's goal number one is to go out there and not have any of the goofy plays like the punt return, to not have the terrible plays like the scoop and score, to not have the bad interceptions, you know, the missed assignments, you know, and and that sort of thing, missed extra points, chip shot field goals, those sorts of things. I guess it would be the first step towards, okay, let's start to build towards something where maybe Nebraska can still make a bowl game because in the reason that people are really talking about that early, about, well, now that bowl game seems like it's really going to be in peril, is that I, I read to you what the first four or the next four conference games are starting September 25th against Michigan State, but it's going to be hard-pressed to see Nebraska winning you know, five, six games if you then also lose to Oklahoma and then you start the rest of that conference slate and things go poorly. Like, because eventually what happens is, and it's just a natural thing, guys start to check out. You start looking out for self. Um, It becomes hard to regain any sort of momentum in your season for a team that, oh, by the way, has not been able to do that at all over the last, you know, really goes beyond the last three years when trying to figure out how to flip the script inside of a season. Like it, it has been historically now for the last good bit of, of Nebraska, stretch of Nebraska football, 
once things start rolling the, the wrong way for this program, they continue to snowball in the opposite direction. There is no way to stop that momentum. And I guess that will be the thing that we're really watching for moving forward. But with all that being said, there is a lot of season left to be played. Like, and so if Nebraska wants to be able to, if they, if they can flip that script, if, if that's in them, that's definitely an opportunity there by, by virtue of them having 11 more games. It's just going to take a lot before I think fans buy into that. And it's honestly going to take a lot for this team, I think, to buy into that. Um, and it's going to take multiple weeks and multiple games of them playing well for that to be the case and that, that belief to set in. Um, and Nebraska needs it but they definitely need to create it. It's not something that is just going to magically fall from the sky. Now, every week I end the show with a segment, which is my favorite segment called Put Them on Blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something they did or said. Put them on blast. This week is, is, is another social media thing. Last week I put um, fools on Twitter that were doing the milk crate challenge on blast. This time I'm going with the haters on Twitter and just the larger social media universe. And I think there are some sports writers that are guilty of this as well, mostly national guys um, that are out there doing this. And that it was very popular over this weekend to dunk on Nebraska football for losing that game. And listen, I understand. I, I get how we get there, um, and that's totally fine. You can do that. If they lost the game. They've been bad, very bad, over the last handful of years, historically bad. And so they deserve the criticism that comes with that. They deserve the criticism, but let's be factual about the actual criticism. And what I mean by this is, is I've, I saw a lot of variations of – Nebraska football shouldn't expect to win anyway because, you know, it's not 1997 anymore. Nebraska football is a, the VHS tape uh, of sports, and so it just shouldn't happen for them. And I, I find that to be utterly ridiculous because what Nebraska fans are asking for, and this gets misconstrued all the time, I think that there is still this weird perception that Nebraska fans are saying that it's championships or busts, that whoever's here – just needs to win championships, and they need to be uh, T.O., and, and that's the only thing that's acceptable. And that's not what people are saying. I think that fans are so beaten down at this point and have lowered their expectations to the point to where a lot of the conversation before the season was – Get to six wins in a bowl game, and that will show progress. That is a far, far cry from saying championships are bust, which is what a lot of people would have you believe that Nebraska fans are out here um, saying. I talk to you guys all the time. I know that Nebraska fans are not actually saying that. Also, to say that Nebraska football is not winning because the game has passed them by or they're the VHS tape of college football is also utterly ridiculous because Nebraska isn't losing games because they think that it's 1997 or that the game has somehow passed Nebraska by. If Iowa State can win and be a, like a Big 12 title contender in Ames, Iowa in 2021, and over in Iowa City at the University of Iowa, Kirk Ferentz can have that team as a competitive team year in and year out. If Northwestern can do it, if Wisconsin can do it, 
why why is it that Nebraska could not be a competitive football team? I'm not talking about teams that have championship aspirations on a yearly basis. Those That's not what those programs are. Now, they might catch lightning on a bottle, and Iowa State has a, a great situation this year, and they have a real opportunity to make some real noise, and they are on kind of the expanded list of teams that can make a run at the college football playoff. But that's the exception to the rule with those programs. What people are asking for with Nebraska football is for them to be competent. Nebraska hasn't been competent. That's a totally different thing than saying that the game has passed them by or anything like that because what Nebraska did when they hired Scott Frost was get the guy that was supposed to be the young hot coach that everybody wanted, right? So let's not say – let's not take the easy road just to get these jokes off about Nebraska football. And I don't – like, Nebraska football doesn't really need me to defend it. I just think that there's plenty of room for criticism of the program and plenty of criticism that can be levied at Scott Frost, and it is all fair and justified. That particular part of it is definitely not. And for that, those fools have to go on blast. Now, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Make sure you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, the Varsity Club, the Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also, check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. You can find me on there right now with Aaron Sorensen um, talking about the recruiting question of the week. We'll also have other videos reacting to the week of practice and press conferences throughout the week. You can also find me on Twitter at Greg Smith HV. You can email the show. We have an email at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com. I will catch you next week. A Huda Media Production.